Okay, rise for the reading of God's word, please. We are in John chapter 12. We're going through John ch- chapter by chapter, verse by verse, as, as, as we always do at, at Calvary Chapel. And we are in verse 27. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Any Bible, raise your hand. John chapter 12, verse 27. This is Jesus. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said to them, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Let's pray. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I, I agree with, with Bola, who just introduced the message this morning in prayer, Lord, that the word would go out, would bear fruit. Lord, last week we talked about bearing fruit. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit fruit. And Lord, even as I, even as we let go of all those voices, those many, many voices, Lord, out in the world that are trying to give us life, we just, we just let them go this morning, Lord, believing that it is your word that gives light. even as we die to ourselves, even as we say in our souls, I've had enough of trying to interpret this life on my own. I've had enough of me trying to figure out life. I've had enough of me going after my own dreams, after my own ideas, after the world's ideas. We die, Lord. And we surrender 
And we ask, speak to us. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So Jesus had just come into Jerusalem for the last time in his public ministry when he came in riding on a donkey, just as had been prophesied about him. He was welcomed by a vast crowd, the book of Luke says, that a great multitude began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice as Jesus came in. But here in verse 27, remember it's just back in verse uh, 20, verse. 13, where it says, the, the crowd, the great multitude, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And, and, and again, that's with, with great rejoicing. Meanwhile, Jesus, shortly after that, says this in verse 27, my soul is troubled. He says, now my soul, my soul is troubled. Now, this is not self-pity. Sometimes we're troubled, and, and we're troubled, and it's really self-pity that's bringing us down. This is not discouragement. This is not fear that is troubling his soul. The Bible says that Jesus was tested, he was tempted, he was tried in every way as we are, yet without sin. So we may not look at self-pity and fear and discouragement at sin, the Bible says it is. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. And those things are self-pity, discouragement, and fear are the enemies of faith. They are sin. And when, so when Jesus says, my soul's troubled, he's not talking about those things. His soul is troubled, though. My soul is troubled. That's Jesus, the man speaking. Jesus was the God-man. It says in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. But then it says in verse 14, the Word became flesh. He became a man and lived with us. Jesus, the man here, is troubled. Don't ever forget, Jesus was a man. He's a God-man, and he's troubled. At what? What's he troubled at? We'll skip on down to verse 31. Let's read why he was troubled. It says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world, he's speaking about the devil there, will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So Jesus knows that he is going to be crucified. He knows that. So when he's speaking here, it's probably about five or six day, days before that happened. Crucifixion? was a common Roman method of execution. 
It's really better described as torture execution than rather than execution because it, it, the body was just tortured on the cross is, is, is really um, what happened. Just such, and, and Jesus, well aware of, of, there were actually mass crucifixions during the time of Jesus. You can go to Google and read all about them. Jesus would have known about these crucifixions. Um, he would have seen uh, these men tormented uh, on a cross. Just, he, he, and so he's well aware now of the excruciating physical torment of a man who has had his uh, an iron stake driven through his hand, right hand, driven through his left hand, driven through his feet. He's well aware of that. So why does he say my soul is troubled? Because he knew that his body was going to be nailed to a cross. And Jesus knew what would happen to him prior to even getting to the cross. He was well familiar with what the Bible said about that. It says in Isaiah 52, verse 14, speaking of Jesus, at the time he was nailed to the cross, this is not after, this is at the time, while he was being nailed to the cross, Isaiah 52, 14 says, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred, meaning gashed, beyond human likeness. Jesus knows this is coming. And can you imagine uh, knowing that this is uh, what you're headed for in just a couple days? Jesus says, now my soul's troubled. That having been said, the Bible's, Bible scholars are virtually unanimous that Jesus' soul was troubled supremely, not because of the pain that he was about, was about to be racking his body, but because of what was going to happen on the cross. Look at verse 20. Uh, look, look at verse 20, 31 again, the beginning of the verse. Now is the judgment of this world. That's what happened on the cross. The judgment of the, of the world that happened at the cross when, when Jesus was crucified in the way that he was. That's what took place on the cross. Now the Bible says that God is love. The Bible says God is good. The Bible says God is righteous, but God can't be any of those things if he's not a judge. If God is love, he can't just see violation of the law and just the horror of evil that goes by every single day on planet earth. God can't be love and just do nothing about that. He can't. In the book of Exodus, when Moses asked God who he was, show me your glory, God. This is what the Lord said to Moses. He's passed by in front of Moses, and he, and he said, this is who I am. I'm the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, 
keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty. I don't let any guilty off. And, and the, the, can, can we have the beginning of, the, of that again? The, the two are tied together. He's merciful and gracious, meaning, and he's abounding in goodness and truth. And because of those things, he doesn't clear the guilty. Every violation of the law, God must judge. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be good. He wouldn't be love. Now, you think of all the violations of the law, all the sin, all the evil, in just one day on planet Earth, in just one city on planet Earth. You take one day's newsreel, take, take the newsreel of your own mind, of your mind for one day, much less all of human history. Romans chapter 2, verse 16 says, God judges the secrets of men. And you take all the secrets of men for all history, and then you take all the acting out of those secrets when those secrets became known and there was murder and there was robbery and there was, uh, there was cheating, stealing, oppression, whatever. It was all placed on Jesus on the cross. That's what verse 31 means. Now it's the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. You know, uh, Isaiah 53, 6 is a verse that I read at least once a week. It says, and the Lord has laid on him. On who? Shout it out. Jesus. On Jesus. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And at multiple times during the week, I realize I can't believe all the garbage that I have been thinking about in my mind. The, the sewer-like thought life that's in my mind. I have no recourse at all except to go to this verse and remember that all of it has been put on Jesus. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what happened um, on the cross. And so what happened after our, our iniquity was laid on the, on the cross? It says that this is I struck him. This is God the Father speaking. After all the sin, all the violation, all our guilt, all your guilt, you, 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 and me. Our guilt was put on Jesus on the cross. God says, I struck him down for the great trespass of my people. God struck him down for you. Remember, we're talking about why Jesus' soul was troubled. It's just a few days away, all this stuff. It says, God has put him to grief. Speaking of God the Father has put him, Jesus, to grief on the cross when you, God, make his soul an offering for sin. So why did Jesus say, now my uh, soul is troubled? This is why. This is why. 
I mean, can you imagine? I, I, it, this, is, this is so far beyond what we're even able to think about or comprehend, having this sin of the whole world placed upon you on the cross and then having a God of wrath punish you for it. Jesus said, my soul is troubled. And then he says in verse 27, but what am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? What am I going to say? Father, save me from this hour? God, I I don't want to do this. This is just too much, God. Please save me from this. I can't take this. I know I said I would do it before the the foundation of the world, but hey, now it's about to happen. I, I don't like this. And he says, no, I'm not, I can't say this. And he says at the end of verse 27, because it's for this purpose I came. It's for this purpose I came. I, 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 can't, I can't cry out to God and ask, ask him to save me now. This is the reason I came to earth. To have the whole guilt and shame of mankind placed upon me on the cross and to have God strike me down there. What just wow just speaks of his courage. The courage of the Son of God. And then it says in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. So he's thinking about the cross. He's thinking about uh, what's uh, gonna happen there. And He says, God, glorify your name. And then it says in verse 28, then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now remember, we've been talking a lot about the glory of God on Sunday mornings as we're going through John. Why? Because John talks so much about the glory of God. And remember this thing about the glory of God. No one seeks the glory of God more and God himself. Now that, that, may, that sounds crazy when you first think about it. And, and if you go into atheist blogs, now you guys have heard me say this before, you go into atheist blogs, they will say, God is a, this God of the Christians that these masses of people are, are following is an egomaniac. He's full of himself. Look what it says in the Bible. It says he seeks after his own glory. But what do we say about that? This is so important that you understand this because the purpose of creating the world was God seeking his own glory. He says in Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, I have created for my glory. So how do you respond? Is God full of himself? Is he an egomaniac? Is he so filled with pride worse than the most incredible boaster in the NBA? And wow, there's a lot of them nowadays. Is he like that? What did we say about that? That's the difference between man and God. When man boasts and, and is, try, is seeking after his own glory, everybody else suffers. I was reading about North Korea over the, uh, over the weekend. It's exactly what's going on in North Korea. One man is like, glory, 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 bring it in, bring it in. And the whole nation, millions, are suffering. But when God seeks his own glory and gets it, everybody benefits. 
everybody's happy. Everybody prospers. And so Jesus says here in in verse uh, 28, Father, glorify your name. And God, God the Father responds, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So then in verse 29, it says, some of the people who stood by heard it and said, and said, wow, was that thunder? What was that voice? Others said an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, actually, this voice did not come because of me. It came for you. It came for you. And then what he does, he mentions the three things. He mentions the three ways that God is going to be glorified by this cross, by this horrendous, excruciating, gory, bloody cross. He mentions three things. In verse 31 and 32, number one, now is the judgment of this world. God is going to be glorified by and through the cross because on the cross, the world's going to be judged. Number two, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. God is going to be glorified on the cross because the ruler of this world, Satan, is going to be cast out. He's going to be defanged. Number three, and I, verse 32, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. God's going to be glorified because on that cross, on that cross, all people, all the world will be drawn to Jesus. More on that later. Let's start off with number one. So number one, how is God going to be glorified? How is he going to be glorified on the cross? Remember, we, we, uh, we, what, is, what, it, what is the glory of God? It's that part of God that when we see it, when our eyes open up to it, we're like, wow. We're just in awe of it. And in and, and these three things, when, when our eyes open up to these three things in verses 31 and 32, and I hope, it's my prayer, and this, it was Bola's prayer before the service started, that when you see these things, you're going to be like, wow, I need to serve this God. That's what, that's what God's glory is. And that's what it means for God to be glorified. It's when, it's when people say, yes, yes, we're going to serve this God. Because this is who he is, and I never knew this was who he was. God's glory. So number one, God was glorified, verse 31, because on the cross, the whole world was judged. The whole world was judged. All that sin, all your sin, my sin, sin of Hitler, the sin of The Khmer Rouge, the, 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 the sin of all that genocide that's going on in Myanmar, the, the sin of, of, on, on Wall Street in the United States of America, was all laid upon Jesus and was judged there. That's why anyone who was involved in any of that stuff 
Their sin was judged. God is glorified. Remember, Jesus says, now's the time on the cross for me to be glorified. He was glorified on the cross because justice had been served. Justice had been accomplished. In our church for years now, we've worked with um, youth in prisons, both uh, young men and young women. And one of the real interesting things, it's just fascinating because it's all a story about us. Some of us have been in prison, others haven't, but it's all a story about us. That when you go visit a young man in prison and you meet him for the first time and you'd start developing a relationship with him, all he wants to talk about is how to beat the rap, how to, how to get out, get off these charges. Yeah, I may be guilty, but this is all about, you know, beating this rap. It's really interesting what we've learned over the time. of uh, uh, That's not good for them, and that's not good for us. When we go out and do something wrong, and all we're thinking about, and, and, and someone has found out about it, and all that we're thinking about is, is, is trying to to. to, to g- to, be, to, to have no consequences, to beat the rap, to make sure there's no punishment somehow, to beat the punishment. All that does is bring rot to your soul when you're like that. It just makes your soul rot. And this is what we do. But it's real interesting when, you know, as the relationship begins to, de- uh, begins to develop, that, that one of the things to start drawing them to the Lord and to get them to think about God is to say, but, but what about the victim? What about the family of this person you murdered and how they feel? What about the, what about the family of, of this guy that you stabbed How do you think they feel? And it's a, an amazing thing happens. Is, is, is the balloon starts to deflate. That balloon, meaning filled up with pride, it starts to deflate and it, and it starts dawning on them. What if that was my family and I was murdered? They're crying out for justice. We all have this sense that when a great crime has been committed, really even a silly little crime, that's what all the complaining at the water cooler is about at work, Some little offense happened, my boss did this, my co-worker did that. But we all have, have a sense that there needs to be payment for that. There needs to be payment for that. And that's what happened on the cross. God was glorified because all this sin, all the wrongdoing, even the secrets, Romans chapter 2 verse, Romans chapter 2 says, even the secrets of our mind, they've all been paid for by Jesus. Wow. Does that bring Jesus glory when that starts seeping in? God, you are like that. You did that. You did that not only for me, but for the whole world. 
You are glorious, God. So number one, Jesus says again in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. How does he do that, verse 31? By the judgment of the world. By the judgment of the world going upon him on the cross. Note there, um, it says in verse 35, skip down to verse 35. A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And then he says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Believe in the light. Do you believe, this is a question for all of you, I ask this to my own heart, that Jesus was judged for everything that you have ever done or will do. Do you believe that on the cross? If you do, you will walk as a son, as a daughter of light. So number two, Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. The second thing, the end of verse 31, Jesus was glorified God was glorified, Jesus was glorified on the cross because the ruler of this world, the devil, was cast out because of what happened on the cross. 1 John 3.8 says this, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, or, or he appeared, that he might destroy the work of the devil. What is the work of the devil? Actually, uh, Sean, can you go down to the Revelation 12.10? This is, this is the work of the devil. The work of the devil, it says in Revelation the accuser of the brethren, that's one of the names of the devil, who accuses them before God day and night. But by Jesus dying on the cross and paying for your sin, that's about all he can do is accuse you. The accusation gets nowhere because the accusation, the allegation has been brought to court. God has judged. He judged Jesus and that means no more judgment for you. And no more power for you. Rather, no more power against you. Um, let's, Sean, let's put up verse, um, uh, 1 John 5, 19. It says, John says this. Th this is, by the way, the letter of John. We're now in the book of John. He wrote several letters, including this one. He said, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And then it says, actually, in the verse before that, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 18, he who has been born of God, and that, now that means you, if you've asked Jesus into your life to come in as king. Jesus, come I'm tired of being my own king. Jesus, you come in as king. The Bible says you're born again. It says he who has been born of God keeps himself in the love of God, and the wicked one does not touch him. Now, why is God glorified? Number one, because the judgment of the world went on Jesus on the cross. And number two on the cross, 
The devil was defeated. He can no longer accuse you. That's his number one weapon is to lie to you. That's what he does. And, and now God is glorified because he has no power over us. I love this verse. I just love it. I love it. I love it. I spent a whole leaders meeting uh, at Calvary Chapel here at Calvary Chapel teaching on this one verse. He who has been born of God keeps himself in the love of God and the wicked one does not, cannot, will not touch him. Wow. God, you're like that? You are awesome. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. He's glorified. He's glorified. So, look, at, look down again at verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Now, I have a question for you. Do you? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus destroyed the work of the devil on the cross. Do you believe that? Because if you don't, you can't be a daughter of light. You can't be a son of light. You'll be walking around and, you know, like this all day. Oh my, better be, I don't know what Satan's doing. He may attack me any moment. And then he got me all yesterday. He's going to get me again today. No. It says, again, while you have the light, believe in the light. Believe what he did for you on the cross. That Satan was defeated there. And it says, you will be a son of light, a daughter of light. Okay. How is God glorified by and through Jesus on the cross? Number one, by the judgment of this world coming on Jesus on the cross. Number two, verse 31, by the devil being cast out, his power, is, it, it, it's a way of, of saying his, 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 he was depowered, he was defanged, he was rendered powerless because of the cross. And then the third way that Jesus is uh, glorified by what happened on that horrendously gruesome, bloody cross Verse 32, if I even I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He was glorified on the cross because by it, when he was lifted up on the cross, ever since then, He's been drawing the world to himself. That's drawn the world to him. Now, six weeks ago, we had Patty Height here from Out of Egypt Ministries. Oh, man, if you didn't listen to that message, go to her website, Out of Egypt Ministries, and listen to it. She, she gives the same testimony in, in the different churches that she... Uh, that she goes to. And, and what she told us when she was here on that morning is that she had been living in a same-sex relationship and same-sex a sexual lifestyle for, for 10 years or longer, just, just completely immersed in it and really, really happy there. 
until one day she woke up with her girlfriend in the house that they owned together and she realized, oh no, this is wrong. This is not how God made me. God didn't make me like this. And, and, she, and she turned to her girlfriend and she said, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I really, really think what we're doing is wrong. And her girlfriend turned to her and said, I can't believe you just said that. I'm thinking the same thing right now. Now question, what are you to do when you have spent 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in, in, in a lifestyle that goes a, directly against the word of God. In fact, the Old Testament says that lifestyle is an abomination. It's an exceedingly great sin. What are you supposed to do? You can't repay God for that sin in this lifetime or 10 other lifetimes. What do you do? What did she do? She looked to the cross. That cross, that, that bloody, horrendously bloody, gruesome cross and realized, I can't do it. But Jesus paid for it. And now I can be freed from it, from this. This is an incredible, just a wonderful, a, a wonderful testimony. I mean, what do you do when, when you're immersed in, in the darkness of years and years of sexual immorality? You know, forget for a second, same-sex sexual morality, heterosexual immorality, which is just as deep and just as much bondage and just as much addiction happens there. And just as, the Bible says just as much darkness. What do you do when you've been there for 30 years and you realize I can't repay God for what I've done? It's impossible. I've been in doing this for too long and my mind is too messed up. You look to the cross. There's something so powerful about the cross. When you've been immersed in the darkness of greed for years and years and years, Matthew 4.16 says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light that can be said of so many dark, the darkness of greed, the, the darkness of just ripping people off year after year after year until all of a sudden your eyes open up and you realize, wait a second, this is so terribly wrong what I've been immersed in for the last 15 years. I can't repay God for this. I know you can't. You look to the cross. The cross draws all men. Jesus says, I'll draw all men when I'm lifted up. My, my daughter is doing, uh, my daughter Elise is doing a, 
a project at her school, and so she had to come to me and ask me, what are the, the biggest events of your life and how they impacted you and our family? And um, I always start with the same thing. When, my, when I was seven eight, or eight years old, my father... We lived in the, west, the, 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 the western suburbs outside of Boston at the time. My father bought the record, the album, Jesus Christ Superstar. You say, what? You're saying that if you saw that movie. That, that movie was written by two agnostics. In fact, the guy who wrote all the lyrics said, Uh, Jesus wasn't God. He was just the right guy in the right place at the right time. What's really interesting about Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie, and uh, it went on Broadway, and um, it really, it went all, all around the world. There was a massive revival in the early 70s. Many attribute it to those two guys, those two agnostics, releasing this movie, which was just filled with error. The, the movie is all about the life of Christ through the eyes of Judas, who's painted in a very sympathetic um, way. Now, my, my family was, were not Christians at the time. But I got a hold of this album. I, was just a, I literally was just an eight- or nine-year-old kid. And I remember putting on my dad's massive white headphones, and I would just listen to this album over and over and over again. And I, and, and just that final scene about the cross, it just started, it, for the first in t- time in my life, wow, God is real. He is real. And, and it's amazing because the movie, in the movie, uh, the movie is, is, is all singing, and at the very end, all the actors they basically stop being actors and they just walk off the stage. They all walk off the stage. The crucifixion had just happened. The crosses are empty. It's filmed in Israel. And they're all walking away and they're slapping high fives or whatever they did at the time. They're all hippies. Um, It was the early 70s. The the characters were all hippies. And uh, then all of a sudden, everyone stop and they look back. And there are those three crosses, and, that, and, and they were empty. And a whole generation of people saw the movie, and a revival was stirred up. That's how powerful the cross is. These, I sometimes feel sorry for these get two guys who wrote it. They didn't believe in God. They were very public about it, but they led people to God. Why? Because of Jesus' statement in John uh, chapter uh, 16, verse 32. But rather, uh, John chapter 12, verse 32. And I, if I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. All people. All people to myself. Rich and poor. All people. Speaking of Haiti, when we, and and I'll just close with this, and just the, 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 how God is glorified through Jesus being lifted up on the, uh, on the cross. In Haiti, um, when we began uh, the orphanage there eight or nine years ago, at that time, ABC News did an investigative report, and there were 300,000 child slaves in Haiti. 
And this really strange thing about these child uh, slaves in Haiti, they're called the Restavec, is that most of them are owned by poor people. I mean, you talk about, from a human perspective, the lowest of the low. They're, they're it. And, and when you travel to Haiti, and we go there two or three times a year, um, you will see this not only with the rest of it, but, but really socioeconomically, the lower class, they don't even look you in the eye. Be, because they, you know, there's just this thought that, 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 that no one takes me seriously. Surely this white American doesn't take me seriously. I mean, I'm happy he's down here doing what he is for me, but he doesn't take me seriously. But when they look at the cross and they see that bloody, gruesome picture on the cross, wow, someone did take me really seriously. And it's the Son of God. How powerful is that? Jesus said, if I even I am lifted up, I will draw everybody to myself. Doesn't matter how, how much someone thinks the rest of the world doesn't take them seriously. I did. My father did. He sent me. The cross. The powerful, powerful cross. Now again, Verse 36 says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that when Jesus was lifted up, or rather because he was lifted up, because he died because he was taken off, because he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. You are, you, God has drawn you to him. Do you believe that? Do you believe it has nothing to do with you? Do you believe that you know, your relationship, the relationship you may have with God right now, has nothing to do with any good thing that you've ever done or not doing bad things? It's only one thing, and that is, the cross was lifted up, and God drew you to it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now. We're going to close the service. If you've been uh, asked to pray, uh, if you could come up at, at, at this point. And I just, as, 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 as we're praying and as we're ending the, the service with a worship song, going to be thinking about God's glory, how he was glorified by and through what happened with Jesus on the cross. All the judgment of the world, and that means your sin, was laid upon him and God struck him down for you so you can have a relationship with him that starts the moment you ask him in your life and last for all eternity, and the Bible says it cannot be taken from you. Number two, that you have no excuse but to live a life that's honoring to God because Satan was defeated on the cross. 
God was glorified by Satan being cast out. And number three, God drew you to him. Now, there may be someone in here, there may be several of you. In fact, um, I'm quite certain there's several of you. God's been drawing you, but you've never come. God's been drawing you, saying, time enough, you being the king of your own life, make me king of your life. And you've never accepted that offer. The Bible says he offers that, and it's free of charge. It's just a gift that you receive by faith. That's what it is. If you've never received that gift by faith, come up as the worship team uh, begins to play. Uh, and as well, if, if you're in a place in your life where you're having difficulty walking as a daughter of light, walking as a son of light, I can tell you it's one of three reasons. Number one, you don't understand your sin was taken care of on the cross. Number two, you don't understand that God defeated, Jesus defeated Satan, the accuser, your accuser on the cross. Number three, that God drew you to him. And once he drew you to him and you embraced him, your salvation is secure. If you're, if you're struggling with any of those things, you to come up and pray. Why don't we rise and pray? We'll close in worship. Father, I just thank you for this word. Thank you for your powerful word, Lord. Every, uh, every Sunday, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Lord, uh, when we open it, our hearts are exposed and you bring life to them. And Lord, even now, the cross is drawing people. I pray, Father, that you would draw that all of all of us, every man, every woman, every child, me, Lord, all of us. Draw us. Continue that drawing, Lord, that drawing to the cross. We, we walk away and we begin living a performance-based life rather than a grace-based life. You're drawing us back. You're drawing us back to the cross. You're good in that way, Lord. You're faithful in that way. You persevere in that way. We thank you. And Lord, I just pray as we close out this worship service that give us the grace by the Holy Spirit just to continue doing business with you, Lord. So we see your glory. So that you're glorified. I pray this in Jesus.